Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bye, Harry. Take you, Megan. Yeah, well, I guess, and also thank you for asking, because not many people have asked if I'm okay. I'm not very good at being a performing monkey. So what I say to you now, as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from my heart. Hi there, and welcome to The Royals. It's the only podcast that reveals what really goes on behind palace doors. I'm Zoe Burrell, and today we'll be talking all about the upcoming season of The Crown. We're ready for you, Your Majesty. Three, two, one. This is Jubilee Day. This is a day as gruelling as the Queen's coronation 25 years ago. On days like today, ask yourself, in the time I've been on the throne, what have I actually achieved? Including Prince Charles's paranoia over the new season? whether it could affect his popularity, and whether or not we'll see Diana for the first time. Joining us today to share her amazing knowledge is royal expert and commentator Angela Mollard. Hi, Zoe. I am hanging out for November 17th. I hope we've got no podcasts planned for that day because I will be <laughs> binge-watching The Crown. Yes, I will be as well. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> You're a fan too. popcorn. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> of course, though, The Crown, the new season promises plenty of entertainment, but one person doesn't seem to be too happy about it. No, Prince Charles is very worried apparently. He's quite paranoid about how it's going to portray his affair with Camilla, which is completely understandable because as we know, when you're watching The Crown, the one thing you're asking yourself constantly is, oh, I wonder if this truly happened. Is this?" And, and we know it's pretty factually based. I mean, it's obviously a dramatisation, but it it holds pretty clear to, to what happened. So this will show the season three will show the introduction of of Camilla and Charles. Of course, it doesn't involve Diana. The season three, okay. she, she will only come in in season four. But it will it, it's the beginning of their relationship. Now, Charles is worried about it. I actually think this is going to do him a favour because all we know about Camilla is that you know she, that she was the third person in this marriage, that she was a, a marriage breaker, that you know blah, 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 that she's horse-faced and people threw bread rolls at her in a, in a supermarket car park. What many of them don't understand is that this was a real love affair and how it started and the forces that caused it not to continue, which is effectively Charles uh, went off with the military not long after they met and yet they loved each other and were very besotted. But then, of course, Camilla went on and married Andrew Parker Bowles. Now, I don't think there's any fear in that story being misconstrued. It was unfortunate. There were terrible circumstances, but I think it will underscore to the public that Charles and Camilla actually had a deep 
love for each other from the get-go. And what a great, great shame that they weren't able to marry back then or that they didn't make different decisions. I mean, we all have sliding doors moments in our lives, don't we? And I'm sure that Charles and Camilla, if they could go back, would have chosen to perhaps wait to continue their relationship. You know, Charles was quite immature for his age back then. You know, it took him a long time to decide who he was going to marry. Perhaps if they'd just taken more time, if they'd taken the Kate and William approach to their relationship and and seen it as a long-term thing, perhaps they would have, you know, not had the the terrible uh, scrutiny and and consequences of them both having you know having to break their marriages to be together, but I I think he's worrying unnecessarily. I think in fact the public are more uh, tolerant and understanding than he gives them credit for. But apparently he's very very worried. Of course, you know in the next few years he's probably going to inherit the throne. The Queen is ninety three. He wants to take on that job with public support and love behind him. Now, a show like The Crown, which has huge audiences and is enormously popular, has um, great capacity to sway public sentiment and, and, and imagination. So I do understand his fears, but I, I think he doesn't need to worry. I think that uh, two two reasons. I think the, the background and history to their relationship being at the forefront of our minds is a good thing, but also they're now an enduring couple. They've been together a long time. They do a lot of good work. Camilla works tirelessly um, for charities behind the scenes. She doesn't get a lot of attention because there's a lot of younger, more glamorous royals who are, are stealing all the airtime. But I think actually this will cement affection for them. So yeah, look, he has he is worried, but um, I don't think he needs to be. Yes, well, didn't he ban some of the cast members from attending an event That's that right. he was at because he's so concerned? Well, yes. Well, so David Attenborough made a series for Netflix about the planet and Charles and William and I think Harry too were invited along. And Charles apparently or reportedly said, well, I, I will only come and endorse this series if, if actors from The Crown are not there because The Crown is obviously Netflix property as well. That's how the story goes. Netflix says they never intended to invite the actors from The Crown. They saw that as a conflict of interest. But it shows how um, paranoid and neurotic the, the Prince Charles is about it, that he couldn't stand next to an actor from The Crown. <laughs> because, of course, that would be seen to be endorsing a show that, you know, is a dramatisation mm. rather than a, a, a documentary. We know that there's a whole new cast this season mm. and Olivia Coleman's taking over as Elizabeth. I know. And she's incredibly, she, when she took the job, she was so nervous. She wanted it. She absolutely wanted it. And when apparently they rung her to say, could she do this? She didn't even let them get the sentence out before she said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but subsequently, she said she was absolutely terrified of stepping into uh, Elizabeth Foy's shoes. We know Elizabeth Foy did an incredible job. And I've interviewed her about The Crown. And interestingly, though, she was auditioned four times before the director thought, actually, she's really good. So he was looking at all sorts of other people. And it wasn't until her fourth audition and someone else in the um, in the casting um, panel said, no, no, she's been in four times. And he went, really? She's great. So it's interesting that, that you know, an outsider came in and did those first two seasons and she just nailed it. And I remember when I interviewed her, she was telling me about how she was breastfeeding. She just had her daughter and she had to wear a corset for the first season oh, to complete hold her in because she was she honestly she was she was like six weeks after giving birth while she was shooting this so she was breastfeeding up in the um up in you know this the high the Scottish Highlands where they were doing scenes for Balmoral and she had a daughter and she was you know playing the queen and it was very incongruous apparently but didn't she nail it anyway Olivia Coleman said that she was quite intimidated by Claire Foy's performance and, and when she started filming she felt she was channeling Claire Foy but then she's 
she's sort of subsequently said that she found her own feet and, and found her role. And I think it's lovely that we're changing actors because the the roles obviously have to uh, evolve and we do need to see people getting older. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Helena Bonham Carter oh, so am I. as Princess Margaret. She's, she's such a great character. And obviously the first incarnation of that with uh, Vanessa Kirby was gorgeous. I loved her. And she was a total antidote to the Queen. The other one I'm looking forward to seeing is Tobias Menzies, who is very, very, very handsome as um, Prince Philip. And I've forgotten the name of the actor that plays Prince Charles, but he's far too good looking to play Prince Charles. (laughs) And and obviously, um, we will be seeing Diana in season four. And we've seen shots. uh, Do you remember the royal tour when uh, Charles and Diana came and they were at Uluru and they stood there and Diana was in a white dress and a little um, a little tiny handbag and Prince Charles was in a safari suit. Well, there's been shots released from filming of that scene, but we're going to have to wait another, another season. That said, they shot season three and four back to back, so there shouldn't be such a long wait before distributing season four as there oh, was good. between two and three. <laughs> and speaking of the actors, we know Helen Bonham Carter did some special research for her role, didn't she? She did. Well, in fact, her dad was friends with Prince, Princess Margaret and she had met Princess Margaret. Apparently Princess Margaret said to her when they met, she said, you're getting better, aren't you? And she was referring to her acting. So, And um, uh, you can imagine Princess Margaret sort of haughtily looking down her nose at this young young, um, you know, bohemian actress as Helena Bonham Carter has always been. But yes, you're right. Um, She has spoken to a lot of Princess Margaret's friends before she took on the role uh, to try and garner some insights, mannerisms, a sense of the woman that, you know, obviously is no longer alive. So very hard to play somebody that that you... you can't meet and get a sense of, but uh, you know, good, good on her. It'd be really interesting to see how. I mean, I'm so used to seeing Helen Bonham Carter and sort of, um, you know, mad fantasy stories, or as um, the mum and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, and it'd just be really interesting to see her as the Queen. She's very versatile as an actress, and uh, yeah, she's another yeah, well, one. She I'm was great for. in the King's Speech. Wasn't yeah. She? Oh yes, mm. I forgot she was in that. She was the <laughs> yes. wife, wasn't she, of King George, wasn't yes. it? Yes, she was. She was terrific. Oh, she was so supportive of him. Oh yeah. She's got plenty of royal pedigree. She's going to be great. But different different being um, the queen um, mum to being Princess Margaret, entirely different characters. Yeah, that'd be be interesting to see. Yeah, can't wait. (laughs) And the actress playing Princess Anne has also revealed she has a peculiar habit. What is it? I know. I love the story. So the actress's name is Erin Doherty and she plays Princess Anne and she's talked about how it takes 90 minutes to actually create Princess Anne's trademark hairstyle, you know, the bum. Wow. And I've seen images of her as as Princess Anne and it is, she looks phenomenal. It's not just her hair. You know how... Princess Anne has this look on her face 98% of the time that looks like she's very disappointed with everybody and they're very annoying. And we know that she absolutely hates the walkabout. So the Queen instituted the tradition of the walkabout where you go around shaking people's hands and uh, and absolutely abhors it. And she's spoken about how she loathes it when people pull out phones and try to take photos of her. She can't stand it. I mean, she's quite... um, imperious um, uh, Princess Anne. Anyway, the other thing I love that Erin Doherty came out and said is that when she orders coffees in cafes, she puts on this crazy posh accent practising her Princess <laughs> Anne voice. So you can just see it, can't you? Yes, please. I'll have a a, a flat white for Anne. And um, <laughs> so I just love it. I just, the way the actors get into, into uh, character is always amuses me. So I love, you know, she's apparently a very down-to-earth actor, Erin, and she celebrated being 
cast as the Queen's daughter by having a curry and um, has been, you know, winging it. She said she's been winging it ever since. She's never ridden a horse and she's had to learn <laughs> oh. to ride a horse because, of course, Princess Anne is the horsiest member of the royal family. So I love these little tidbits and, uh, you know, she's, but she does say that she's actually fallen in love with her character, which is, which is lovely. So oh, that's good one nice to watch. To yeah, indeed. do you think the show is? Look, you know, I've done a lot of research into this. It's certainly based on facts, the timeline, and, and, you know, they have a huge team of researchers to make sure that it is is accurate, although there are slip-ups. Slip-ups, there's already been some indications of timings and the number of years since the Queen's coronation, you know, the 25th celebration and blah, blah. So there's lots of um, royal watchers constantly critiquing the accuracies in it. It is based on fact but it is a dramatization. So we don't know. So certain things like in the first series, we don't know to what extent Prince Philip had a relationship or or, or an infatuation with the ballet dancer, if you remember from season one. You know, there's a lot of dramatic license in it, but effectively the political and constitutional events that that occur in in the crown are accurate. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Mm. I feel like I'm learning so much about history as well. Yes, it is. I mean, yeah. I think what was really interesting in the in the earlier seasons were things like the war, Churchill's uh, relationship. But I think what's been what I find very interesting is the relationship between Crown and uh, between the court and and politics. So that relationship with the politicians and how much power the Queen had. Also, of course, the power that she had over her own family, her sister, her husband. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that evolved because. Had Princess Margaret wanted to marry her equerry now rather than back then, it may have been a wholly different outcome. And we know she was um, totally in love with Townsend. Uh, and, of course, she had a fairly unhappy life and, and didn't, you know, that was the true love of her life. She went on to marry Anthony Armstrong Jones, obviously. But um, but Peter Townsend really was her genuine love and the Queen blocked that marriage, as we saw in the earlier seasons of The Crown. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how her role evolves. The part I'm really looking forward to is the dramatisation of the Queen's reaction to the death of Diana and what happened. Now, we, of course, we saw Helen Mirren playing that role in The Queen. But what's wonderful with television is that you get more time to tell that story. And because I lived in London during that time and because I witnessed the absolute chaos, there was no genuine understanding from the palace of the magnitude of grief that the public felt. And of course, Tony Blair, the then Prime Minister, his political advisor, Alistair Campbell, stepped in and advised the Queen on how to handle it from a public relations point of view. And it was him that came up with the term, the people's princess. And it was really only his advice that led to the Queen you know, uh, lowering the flag at, at Buckingham Palace and, you know, many of the things that happened, her coming back from Balmoral to London earlier than um, than she wanted to, that sort of thing. So I'm very interested to see how that will play out. What I really hope that in the, in the relationship with Diana and Charles, that it's played fairly, um, you know, having covered a lot of the stories at that time, and I mean, it was it, it was an awful, awful time in royal history in terms of the shenanigans that went on. How Diana used the press, how Prince Charles was pretty unfeeling, and 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 um, really didn't have the emotional capabilities to deal with a wife that you know was a lot more emotional. I hope that it's played fairly for both sides. I don't want to see one of them targeted or one to be seen as um, as a victim, and 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 one as a sort of 
um, I, I hope there's a lot of nuance in that in the telling of that story because it was a very nuanced story and, you know, faults on both sides and pressures from outside sources. So we're really keen to see how that's, um, how they illustrate that. Yeah, well, we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? And we will, yes. Yeah. And do we know if the Queen watches it? Look, this is really interesting because Robert Lacey, the uh, royal biographer, he says, and he's a very high standing, he says, no, 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 she doesn't. But there's been plenty of reports saying that Edward and Sophie Wessex, um, so the Queen's youngest son and his wife, um, who we hear very little about, and I think they're probably among the cleverest of the royals that's staying out of the limelight. Apparently, they go to uh, Windsor every weekend and they, and the, when, this, when this show's on and they sort of have, uh, you know, a cosy supper with the Queen and watch it together. Look, how could you not watch it, you know? <laughs> I know, I, I agree. not. Look, I, I would totally understand if she didn't publicly admit that she watched it. Um, Megan and Harry watch it, for instance, so they used to cook dinner and watch it together. Um, Megan would see it as, you know, it, it's a bit of fact-finding mission, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, Anne. Thanks, Zoe. And thank you to everyone for listening. For more on the Royals, please go to newidea.com.au or our Facebook page, New Idea Royals. And, of course, don't forget to pick up a copy of New Idea Royals Monthly on sale now. 